Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. We're starting a new series today called Wonder. Uh, and the idea behind this series, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Sometimes we lose our sense of wonder during this time of the year because it's busy and hectic and our schedules are beyond full. And so a lot of the time we, we put our heads down and we just try and get things done and make it through these days. But often in doing so, we forget what these days, what this season of Advent that we'll enter into next week is all about. How a child came into the world and how that changes everything. How a child came into the world uh, born to two young parents placed in a feeding trough. And that baby would become the king of all kings. If we believe this, which we do, that is absolutely something that should inspire awe and wonder in us. That's absolutely something we don't want to miss or take for granted. Especially because today is Christ the King Sunday. Now some of you may be familiar with that, some of you may not. Uh, But the idea behind this day is simple. It's a day in the liturgical calendar when we celebrate that Jesus is King, that He is Lord of our lives, that He reigns above all. And you might be asking, why do we need a whole weekend devoted to that? And I think the answer is again, pretty simple. We need this day, this Christ the King Sunday, we need it every year because we need a weekend when we check in and make sure that we're worshiping the right king, that we're bowing down to the right things. Because the truth is, we're pretty bad at picking kings. Honestly, we're even worse at being kings. And you know what we always have been? In the Bible, there are two books called Kings. And the purpose of those books is essentially to demonstrate that the kings of Israel, the kings of Judah, had failed to live up to the kingship covenant made with David in 2 Samuel 7. Basically, they'd been really, really bad kings over and over. Uh, So let me me walk us through a few of them, and I'll try not to butcher these names too too much. Uh, First, there was Jeroboam. And Jeroboam set up these big golden calves for everyone to worship, and he told the people, these are your gods now. After him, there was Nadab, and we're told that he practiced all the evils of his father. Well, he was assassinated by Basha, and Basha was assassinated by Elah. Scripture tells us they were both violent men. Then there was Zimri, and Zimri burned down the whole palace. Then there was Omri, who we're told was more evil than any king before him, until Ahab who were once again told was more evil than any king before him. And then there was Ahaziah, and he was great. No, of course he wasn't. He was terrible. (laughs) Scripture tells us what? That he was more evil than any king before him. We're told, Scripture tells us, quote, he made Israel sin. Well, Ahaziah had no son to replace him. And so you think, okay, good, we're clear. But then his brother took over, Jehoram, 
he became king, and Jehoram very quickly tried to kill the prophet Elisha. So not great. Then after him, there were 10 more kings that ruled Israel between 841 and 722 BC. Every one of them, the Bible describes as corrupt, selfish, violent. Can you, can you imagine that many terrible kings in a row? Can you imagine that string of awful leadership? I know some of you are probably thinking about certain politicians or your bosses at work and you're thinking, well, yeah, actually, yeah, I kind of can, but, but seriously, Israel has been plagued with evil kings who worshiped false idols and who always chose violence for generations. At this point, we can understand the Israelite people are exhausted. They're hopeless. They wonder, will we ever find a king who cares? about any, but anything but himself? Will we ever find a king who does what is right by the people and what is right, most importantly, by God? But then the prophet Isaiah comes along and he condemns all of these terrible kings. He calls them out for all the ways they've disobeyed God. And then he speaks to the people and he offers hope. And that brings us to our scripture for today. The scripture that we're going to be reading today, it's one that you're, uh, you've probably heard it or you've at least heard it referenced. Um, but this is a word of profound hope to a people who have, who have suffered a long, long line of terrible leadership. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and pull those out. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9 this morning. Uh, we're going to be reading verses 2 through 7. This is Isaiah, uh, Isaiah's word to the people. He says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied exultation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you've broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Great will be his authority and there will be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Okay, I know that there's a lot in that text. But Isaiah's message to the Israelites is very simply this. I know that you've had a lot of bad kings but there's a really good king coming. And you know what? That's a message that all of us need to hear today as well. Because first of all, like the Israelites, we've had some bad kings in our lives. The ancient Israelites aren't the only ones who've suffered really bad monarchs. Most every civilization throughout history, if you asked them, could, could read off a laundry list of the bad leadership they'd suffered. Leaders who were selfish, and violent and oppressive. 
Sometimes leaders who were just plain weird. Take Caligula, for example. He was an ancient Roman emperor who ruled just a few years after Jesus died. And he was, like, impressively bad. Caligula was known for his lavish projects, for his brutality, and for his eccentricity. For instance, he once had his army construct a two-mile floating bridge. Took years to construct. And he had them construct this floating bridge because he thought it would be fun to ride a horse on it. And that was it. He also once declared war, as kings do, uh, but he declared war on the ocean. The literal ocean. And when they got to the edge of the water with all his army and, and these war machines, he commanded all of his soldiers to start gathering shells in his helmet, the way a child does at the beach. He also banned the mention of goats in his presence. Why? Because he was afraid he looked like a goat. He was tall and kind of hairy, and so you could be put in prison the rest of your life if you mentioned goats. And if you're not convinced by that, which I, would, I hope that you are, but if you're not, uh, finally, he built a palace for his horse in Citadis. And he attempted to appoint that horse to the, the position of consul, which at the time was the highest elected position in the Roman Republic. We've had some bad kings. But it's not just world leaders like Caligula that have made up our bad kings. I think if we're honest with ourselves today, we bow down to all sorts of things. We make and we, we choose bad kings all the time. We make kings out of certain leaders or political parties. We make kings out of actors and musicians and, and social media influencers. We make kings out of ideologies and ideas. I have a tendency to do this with athletes. Uh, for some reason, I get starstruck really easily. And I will start treating a person uh, like they're from another planet. Just a few weeks ago, I was at a salad place with some of our pastors. And we saw DeMarcus Ware walk in. And I was giddy. You're talking about one of the greatest pass rushers of all time, one of the greatest Dallas Cowboys of all time. Well, Pastor John Reeves is fearless, and so we were kind of sitting far away and looking, and John gets up and walks over and says, you're DeMarcus Ware, right? And he said, yeah, I am. And, and he ended up walking over to us, and he came over and chatted with us for a minute, and the other pastors were calm and cool and collected. They very casually uh, congratulated him on his induction into the Hall of Fame. And the whole time I was trying to come up with what to say to DeMarcus Ware. Well, finally, he reached out the largest hand I'd ever seen <laughs> to shake mine. And all I could muster up to say was, uh, you're like a total legend, man. <laughs> Not a cool thing to say. And he was extremely gracious, but the worst part was that as soon as he walked away, uh, Pastor Kyle pointed out to me that I had a huge barbecue sauce stain <laughs> all over my shirt. And I guess I had just blacked out and not noticed it. Um, I tell y'all too much. Uh, 
And you know what? That's not, even, that's not even the only time I've done something like that. That's not even the only time I've done something awkward with a cowboy. One time I saw Jason Witten just walking around Southlake, and without thinking, I started just full arm aggressively waving to him. <laughs> as if he would have any idea who I was. And he kind of smiled and went, who is this guy? Another time, I met Ezekiel Elliott at a restaurant in Dallas with, with Hannah's family. And all I said to him was, I love you. <laughs> I don't know why I'm like this. I really, I don't. I don't know why I make kings out of people. But I think so many of us do that. And look, I'm not saying that any of those guys are bad guys or bad kings. But what I am saying is that we have a tendency to make people or things or a myriad of ideas, whatever. We, we, we have a tendency to make it, it, them into royalty. We elevate things that don't deserve it to an almost godlike status. We bow down to the wrong things. Like I said, sometimes it's our political parties. And sometimes it's our favorite sports teams. And a lot of the times it's our jobs or our social status or how much attention we get on the internet. We bow down to all of these things and we forget to bow down to the one person, the one thing that we're supposed to, the one king we're supposed to. And you know who it is. It's Jesus the king, the good king, the great king, the king of kings. That's what's so amazing about our scripture for today. Isaiah promises a king who is finally different than all the others. A king of kings, a king above all kings, a king that, that will finally satisfy all the things we've been looking for. Isaiah says he's going to be a wonderful counselor. And that's way different. Nobody hearing this would have known their kings as either wonderful or as counselors. And yet, he says that this king that's coming will be kind and loving and, and that he'll guide us in the right direction. That when we're lost, he will counsel us on how to live our lives. And Isaiah says he'll be a mighty God. And again, that is way different the kings they'd experienced, maybe they were mighty. Maybe they had power. But they used that might for their own good. They used that might to build monuments to themselves. But Isaiah says that this king that's coming, he's going to use his might, his power, to establish peace and justice and a world of righteousness to bring wholeness to the brokenness. And Isaiah says he's going to be an everlasting father. The kings that they had were neither everlasting nor fatherly. They came and they went. Zimri, who I mentioned earlier, uh, he's the one who burned down the palace. He was only king for seven days. He burned down the palace in seven days. 
And as for them being like a father, they definitely weren't good ones. In fact, some of them even tried to or did kill their own sons so they could maintain power. And yet Isaiah says, this king that's coming, he's going to treat us all like sons and daughters. Like a father treats his beloved children, and he's going to do it forever. And Isaiah says he's going to be a prince of peace. And again, that is so different. The princes they knew were far from peaceful. In fact, at the very beginning of this book, in, in, in chapter 1 of Isaiah, this is what Isaiah says about their princes. This is how he describes them. He says, your princes are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They don't defend the orphan, and the widow's cause does not come before them. See, their princes brought destruction and war. They looked out for themselves. They oppressed the poor and the marginalized. But Isaiah says that this king that's coming will be a king of peace. That he'll look out for those in need. That he'll bring order and harmony to the world. And again, that's what's so powerful about this text. Isaiah recognizes that the Israelites have had a lot of bad kings. Kings they've chosen and, and kings they haven't. He says, I know that you have lived in a land of deep darkness. But he goes on from there. He says, there is hope. He says, a good king, a great king is coming. And he is a savior that will bring light to the darkness. Authority will rest on his shoulders alone. And then he uses the example of the day of Midian to describe what it will be like when he finally arrives. Now, Midian is a reference that a lot of times we kind of just pass right over when we read scripture. It's, it's one that might not be super familiar uh, for us, but it's definitely something that was significant for the Israelites that Isaiah is writing to. Because the day of Midian for them was, was sort of the equivalent of like the 4th of July for us. It was a kind of independence day. The day of Midian is the day where uh, Israel defeated their oppressors, the Midianites, even though they were massively outnumbered. And when I say outnumbered, I mean 300 versus 130,000. And not only did they defeat them, they did it without actually engaging in battle. Nobody from Israel's side had to actually fight. And so in our scripture, when Isaiah is referencing this day and saying that this Messiah, this king will bring, uh, will, it will be like the day of Midian, he's saying he's going to bring victory and salvation. And most importantly, what he's saying is he's going to bring peace. That with the coming of this child, the conflict will end. There will be peace. Now look, I know we read this today and we hear this today and we think, when is that going to happen for us? When is our day of Midian? Because I know that it goes without saying, but our world is not one of peace. And it never really has been. In fact, famous historian Will Durant once wrote that in the last 3,420 years, over 3,400 years, 
in that time, only 268 of those years can be described as free of war. That means that since the days of Moses, the world has been at war in some capacity 92.2% of the time. And unfortunately, we're in the 92% right now. There's war in Ukraine, and there's war in Sudan, and there's war in Israel. And if you look at this very sobering graphic behind me, you'll see that there's war other places as well. And it breaks our heart because we want violence to end. We desperately want a world at peace. But we don't have it yet. So until the day when Jesus returns and we finally have all that Isaiah writes about, we strive for a world at peace. And we pray for a world at peace and we work toward a world at peace. A world where bad kings don't call the shots anymore. A world where the king of kings, the prince of peace reigns. You know, I love the word for peace in our scripture. It's a word you've probably heard. It's shalom. Shalom was a very important concept for the Israelites. It translates in our scripture, here's peace, but it actually means something more. It means to restore something. It means something being in a state of completion or fulfillment. You can find a a beautiful example of Shalom in front of the United Nations building in New York City. Right outside of those doors, there are two sculptures. The first is a gun with its barrel tied into a, a, a tight knot. And the second is a man with a sword and he's beating that sword into a plow. Both of these are reminders of our hope for a world at peace. And that second one, the man beating his sword into a plow, that actually comes from scripture. Specifically, it comes from the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter two, he says, they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. See, I love the fact that outside of the United Nations building, outside of a place where they deal with worldwide conflict and and, and deeply complicated international issues, there is a biblical reminder of shalom. There is a reminder of Isaiah's words and of God's peace. A reminder that, that no matter how convoluted or hopeless or complex a situation is, God can always take that thing and bring shalom. And I love that because, y'all, that's who our Jesus is. No matter, no matter how many bad kings this world throws at us, no matter how many bad kings we may create for ourselves, we always have a Savior who is the Prince of Shalom. The prince who brings wholeness and restores us to peace. He is the king above all kings, the king of kings. And so today we've got to decide who we're going to bow down to. Because you know what? The world is always going to provide us with bad kings. 
It's always going to provide us with people and political parties and celebrities and ideologies that we can bow down to and worship. But you know what? They will never be enough because they aren't the true king. Isaiah was right. We've had some bad kings, but there is a really good king coming. He came once in the form of a little baby, born to two young parents, placed in a manger. And he's coming again, coming to bring peace and wholeness and redemption. And he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Great will be his authority and there will be endless peace for the throne of David and for his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. He is Jesus Christ, our King. Hallelujah for that. Amen. Will you, will you pray with me? Let's pray. God, we confess that we often bow down to the wrong things. We bow down to people and ideas and groups that don't deserve it. Because Lord, they aren't the king and you are. And so God, this morning on this Christ the King Sunday, we thank you. We thank you that you came to us in the form of Jesus. We thank you that you are a wonderful counselor. That when we are struggling and we feel stuck and we don't know where to go, you put an arm around us and you point us in the right direction. And God, we thank you that you are a mighty God. That when we feel powerless, we know that the one who holds all power is for us. God, we thank you that you are an everlasting father. That you are always with us and always will be with us. That you call us sons and daughters, that, that we're a part of your family. And Lord, we thank you that you are Prince of Peace. And God, we pray for that peace. We pray for peace in us, peace in our hearts. We pray for peace in our relationships. We pray for peace in our communities. And Lord, we pray for peace in our world. Lord, we pray for a world where you, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, reigns. Pray it all in the name of our rock, our redeemer, and our king, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.